Hey everyone, welcome to Love, Rinse, Repeat, a podcast recorded on the sovereign lands of the Gayomago people by me, Liam Miller, he, him, his, a minister in the United Church in Australia. My guest today, returning to the podcast, is Keegan Osinski. Keegan, welcome along. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, folks might know you as, you know, your librarian friend on YouTube or as a um, someone who likes baths and hockey on Twitter, <laughs> uh, or they might know you from the previous panel um, when you were on for the New Year's Theolutions episode of Love, Rinse, Repeat. Uh, but soon the world will know you as the author of uh, Queering Wesley, Queering the Church, uh, which is the book we're going to be talking about today. We're very excited to talk about that. So, but I guess before we get there, let's talk a little, just for those who don't know you by any of those monikers uh, and reputations, talk to us a little bit about yourself and I guess um, particularly what about, you know, your story that led you to go, you know what, there's a book about queering Wesley that needs to be written and this is the person to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a weird story. I feel like I, I didn't, I don't think I like started out my life, my career uh, with this idea in mind, um, but it just kind of fell into my lap. It feels like sometimes um, I didn't really grow up religious. Um, I started going to church um, in a pretty like conservative evangelical youth group when I was in like high school age. Um, and then when I went to college, I went to a small liberal 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 arts school <laughs> um, called Point Loma Nazarene University, and it's um, affiliated with the Church of the Nazarene, um, which is a Wesleyan denomination. Um, I like to describe them as like the evangelical version of the United Methodists. Um, and I initially went there with, as a journalism major, I was, I, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always had that writerly instinct, I guess. Um, but once I got there and I took some of the required Bible courses, I was just fascinated. Mm. I thought it was so interesting. Um, and like weird <laughs> in like the <laughs> coolest way. And that's still how I feel about church and religion generally. And what really keeps me engaged is just mm. how like weird it is. And <laughs> that's so much fun for me to just yeah. like play around with. Um, so I did my uh, degree in undergrad in philosophy and theology. Um, and then I went on to get a master's uh, in library science. Um, so I could become a librarian. And then I got a master's in theological studies from Vanderbilt, which is where I am currently working as the librarian for theology and ethics in the Divinity Library. So we mostly mm -hmm. serve the Divinity School um, and the Graduate Department of Religion. So I work with a lot of graduate students, mostly um, people studying to get their MDiv, become ministers, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm still involved in the Church of the Nazarene. So that's kind of how I ended up you know, I, I got exposed to Wesley in undergrad, um, just kind of reading general church history type things with a kind of Wesleyan bent because mm. of uh, the denomination. And I just kind of stuck with it. Um, the <laughs> church that I had first, you know, kind of gotten into in high school um, was more conservative. So as I started learning more and becoming more theologically educated, uh, learning about feminism, that was a big problem. <laughs> Basically, kind of long story short, all those bridges kind of got burnt. Um, and then where I was left 
uh, when I lost this, you know, community was the Nazarenes and mm. my professors at school. And, you know, I started going to a Nazarene church and I, I really kind of found a home there, mm. uh, with people, um, at that point, because it was Southern California in a university setting, it's a little bit different from like the Church of the Nazarene as a whole, mm. which I came to find out later is still very conservative, uh, despite the, um, you know, on paper, the theology is actually quite progressive in my mind in a lot of ways. Um, there's certainly places where it's not, but, um, and this kind of, you know, gets back to why Wesley um, mm. And I kind of, and I'll talk about this a little more, I'm sure, but um, I found in Wesley a certain openness uh, and kind of um, playfulness and curiosity um, that you don't really, that doesn't really come out in a lot of these more um, strict or conservative areas, but, um, and, and that you don't necessarily expect, you know, you have Wesley, who's like the founder of Methodism. You think like method, uh, mm. structure, discipline, <laughs> you think it's like this, like really like intense, uh, pietism, which there, there's obviously some of that there, but, um, theologically and philosophically, it's actually quite open. Mm. Um, and really the core of it, as I came to find out, as I was reading more, Wesleyan theology and Wesley himself, the core of it is really love. And if the core is love, <laughs> then that kind of really opens, opens everything up because love is such, a, um, you know, an amorphous kind of thing that, that takes a lot of forms. And mm -hmm. so, um, I, I was in a queer theology class. I think that was where I wrote my first, um, Paper. So one of the chapters in the book uh, is on the sermon, uh, the circumcision of the heart. And that was my very first chapter, I guess, that I wrote. It started actually as an eight page conference paper that I presented mm -hmm. at the Wesleyan Theological Society, um, which I go to every year. I've been a member for years. Um, and I don't know, like, I still to this day can't really tell you why or how that kind of like sparked an idea. But I was, I think, I don't know, I was just kind of reading the sermon and, and asking questions of the text mm. um, to, to just, you know, kind of open it up, explode it out a little yeah. bit. Um, and, you know, it's, again, it started as an eight page paper and then I turned it into like a 20 page paper for that class for my mm. term paper. And I just really had, really had a fun time with it. <laughs> and so when it got time to write my master's thesis, I was like, let me, let me keep doing this. Let me mm. pick a couple more sermons and kind of do the same method with them and see what comes out of that. Yep. Um, so for my, my master's thesis was, um, an introduction and two more sermons. Um, so by the end of my master's program, I had an introduction and three chapters and hey, I was uh, like, how's that? Well, let's write a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the momentum was going at that point. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Harder so, to stop I the mean, train. <laughs> exactly. And, and at this point, you know, now it's been four years wow. of this process yeah. and it's so exciting to like see it come to fruition and to like start to finally get it into people's hands and have mm. people start reading it. Yes. So it's, it's interesting thinking about you know you're you're a member of the of this church you've been you were you know educated in a Wesleyan um, Nazarene 
educational setting, you're part of the Wesleyan you know, Theological Society and giving papers there, you know, you're steeped in this tradition, right? Um, so, you, so you're writing this, you know, the, the book is coming from inside the house, uh, as it were. So uh, I'm curious about how, how you navigate that and how that has maybe informed your understanding of, of what we owe to the tradition in a sense that, you know, from coming from within it, that what we owe is, is, you know, you know, I think from, you know, you, you know, your book is this, you know, that within your fidelity to what Wesley is trying to do leads you to have to go through Wesley to something um, rather than going the, the way we honor him is, is merely reciting um, or trying to like, or even trying to go like, maybe this is what he would, will guess what he would have said about this situation. So, so I'm just curious about how you understand it as, this process of writing within the tradition and how that how that informs how you believe we approach and and live within and play within the traditions that we all inherit. Yeah, that's that's a great question because I that's really been kind of my goal in this. I, I get a lot of um, feedback, let's say, about <laughs> <laughs> about um, you know why are you even doing this? Like, if you don't like it, leave. Like that kind of a thing. Um, and, and my response is usually, I, I don't not like it. I do mm, like it. That's mm. the whole point. Um, yes. I'm certainly like reading in a different direction and like taking it in a different direction, but it really is, um, faithful to the tradition as I see it. Um, one of the main kind of inspirations or, um, kind of legacies that I'm trying to tap into is that of Mildred Bang's wine coop. So she, I cite her several times in mm. the book, um, her, you know, kind of magnum opus is from 1972, 74. I always forget. I should look it up, but, um, <laughs> it's called a theology of love. Mm. And her work was really kind of groundbreaking in that it, it moved the tradition mm. from the more um, like kind of classical holiness idea of um, purity to talking about holiness as love. And so I have kind of really grabbed onto her work as kind of a baseline to think, you know, my always like my definition for holiness is going to be perfect love of God and neighbor. Mm. And she grabbed that from Wesley. Like she read mm. Wesley a certain way she got a lot of, let's say, feedback uh, for, for doing that same thing in yeah. the 70s, right? Um, and so one thing, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I quote this in the book, she talks about how her work, she felt like we had to get some kind of translation from John Wesley's time into the present day because, you know, culture changes um, society changes. And so to make Wesley work for us today, we have to do some translation. It's just not going to be the same, you know, one-to-one kind of correlation. Same thing with the Bible, right? Like no one (laughs) would, would, you know, say that we, we don't necessarily what, like we literally have to translate the Bible into English for a lot of us, you know? Um, and so the idea that Winecoop was saying, Wesley was, you know, 200 years ago, almost 300 years ago at this point, we need to translate him for today. And I'm like, well, you know, the seventies were, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, 50 even. Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, yeah, don't, I was still in like that camp of like, oh yeah, the year 2000. I was like 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a par. Um, but so I'm yeah. like, well, it seems like we have to start doing the same kind of translation from even from the seventies to mm, today mm. and taking wine coops work and kind of moving yeah. it forward. Um, and so I, I also use this image of tradition, not as this like monolith in the past that we look back to you know, farther and farther away. And we're like, Oh, what's up? What it looks, I think the tradition is this, but rather it's like a stream that comes from the past through the present and into the future. And we're swimming, you know, in the stream with the influence of the past, but also we can change the direction. You know, if we put a big rock here, we can make it go a different way and it's still the same tradition. So, I worked really hard and I mean that that puts a little bit of it on me but I don't feel like I did this work as much as I just kind of um you know shown a flashlight or whatever mm-hmm. like it it just seemed apparent to me um that a truly Wesleyan ethos could be carried through um and married with queer theory in a way that was still thoroughly Wesleyan mm. um and yeah, I, I did. I, I, you know, was very conscious of Wesley himself and Wesley's thought and Wesleyan, Wesley-ish kinds mm. of, of ways of thinking and, and practice um, as I was writing to, to make sure that um, fidelity was there because mm. it, it, I was just so convinced that you could do this. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there's similarities with um, feminism that the Wesleyan tradition has already embraced, right? It's the yeah. same kind of um, methodology that I'm using, just instead of thinking about, uh, you know, gender equality for women specifically, I'm kind of opening that up even more broadly to talk mm. about um, g- gender a little bit more expansively and sexuality as well. Um, and, but, you know, femini- feminist theory and queer theory have so many similarities um, that I'm like, if you guys are down with the feminist theory, like yes. you can do this too. It's totally okay. <laughs> it's very, you know, it's all in the same family. Mm. Um, so the, the, that was kind of like the whole of the project is like taking these ideas and kind of smushing them together and being mm. like this, you can do this. This is Wesleyan. Um, and it, it works. Um, yeah. And sometimes being surprised, like surprising myself, how well it works. Um, <laughs> and being surprised that no one had done it before because it was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, hopefully it, it spurs a lot more, which will be exciting. Yes. Um, so you said how, you know, you, you, you chose a sermon, the circumcision of the heart sermon first uh, in that very first paper, then you added two more, then come the book, you add five more, because it's eight, I think, in total. So Ten. Ten, ten. sorry. So you added, added, yeah. um, added uh, seven more. So um, the book is essentially for those interested, like, you know, there's an introduction and then there's, yes, reflections on ten sermons uh, of Wesley. And it's interesting when you talk in the introduction about how those sermons which were which picked um, and that you kept hoping you would stumble upon, you know, a great methodological um, system for why these ones, but really, you know, and quite fittingly, it wasn't that. It was it was an attraction. It was a desire. It was just, it was a fleeting glance or maybe some prolonged eye contact um, with a particular sermon that led you go, I think there might be something here. 
Um, so talk to us a bit about, about how you did that. Did it end up being a thing that you were actually, you know, you had about 20 suitors and had to cut it down to 10, um, <laughs> um, which I'm sure, Keegan, you know, you're familiar with. Um, but, uh, you know, how, how was the, yeah, that process of, of, of actually figuring out how to do this and which ones to choose? Also, I guess, so you weren't like constantly doubling up. I mean, it's, I'm sure with Wesley, you're always like, oh, holiness again. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. how did you find that process of, of actually, you know, getting the, um, the sermons picked? Yeah, like I said, and like you you pointed out, I throughout the whole process, you know, people always were asking me, like, so how are you, how are you choosing the sermons? Or like why these sermons? Even in my like defense of my thesis, my readers were like, So why did you pick these sermons? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I felt really bad about it. And so I was like, all right, if I'm gonna do this book project, like I need to get there has to be a reason. I got and eventually I wrote you know, that little, um, little excursus that appears in the introduction. And I was like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is complete bullshit, but hopefully like it, people get it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's true. It really is true. Um, so what I did was I read a lot of the sermons. Like I didn't read all, you know, 150 or whatever of the like published, like mm-hmm. standard sermons. Yeah. Um, but I did go through, all of them at least a little bit. Um, so a couple of years ago, I got a little fellowship thing at my, um, at Point Loma's, uh, Wesleyan center. So I got to go and hang out there for a couple of weeks on campus and use their library in the Wesleyan mm-hmm. center. And I just had like time to sit with the project and kind of, yeah. But my plan was to select the sermons and, um, pitch, pitch my, my book to, mm-hmm. to publishers. So I spent about a week just going kind of sermon by sermon, flipping through, scanning, even like some of them I could kind of tell like based on the context or the title. I was like, okay, that one's not going to really work. And then I kind of narrowed it down to like 50. And then I narrowed it down to like 20 that I like read through until I kind of, I had this like spreadsheet of like (laughs) color coded, like, yes, no, maybe situation. (laughs) And finally I was just like, I just kind of had to, had to choose. Mm. Um, and, and again, like I, it was really, um, kind of blind and like faithful, I guess in some ways, because at that point I had only really just read the sermon and gotten that little hmm, 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 spark feeling. Mm. Um, I hadn't done hardly any of the like work that, you know, translated into like what you see the chapters looking like today, which bring together kind of a lot of different things and different uh, theories and Mm -hmm. other resources. And I kind of like did a lot of that stuff much later after I had chosen. So some of these, I sat down, you know, the nice thing about this um, kind of structure of the book, at least for writing it, and I think for reading it too, um, is each of the chapters is fairly standalone. So, you know, for the readers, you'll, you'll be able to, you know, pick it up, put it down. The chapters aren't very long. Uh, there, there is like a, a thread that goes through them all, but they're mostly, like I said, standalone. Mm. So there were some that when I sat down to write them, I was like, all right, this is the one we're doing now. <laughs> what are we, what are we, what are we doing here? Let's, let's just, let's see. So it really was a lot of 
experimenting mm. and just kind of um play and fucking around because I really like some of them like I think um the one on the wedding garment that one is the one where I kind of bring in stuff uh about like femme butch uh queer aesthetics um that one I kind of knew pretty early on I was gonna go that direction with it um but some of the other ones like I had no idea what I was gonna do (laughs) and I just read the sermon over and over and over until something clicked or something jumped out or a a line of questioning that I took finally bore something interesting that I could get into. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny. Like it, it, the, like I, I, you know, kind of tongue in cheek said that part of the introduction was bullshit, but it, it really was like truthfully just like, all right, we're going to just play around and Mm. and experiment and see what happens. Um, so it was really fun to do it. that Yeah. I think it points to what you're talking about with the fertile ground that's there in the fact that you, you know, it doesn't have to be this really laborious, um, you know, methodical process or even doesn't have to be like, okay, there's one little thread or one like concept and if I find the sermons with that, I can kind of claim it as, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's just there as you look for it. There's just an openness, as you said, a trajectory, um, you know, uh, that spark that you can then take um, and and by diving deeper and by drawing in other voices uh, and, other, and other articles, as you say, um, find more and more there. And I think, you know, as you say, there's, there's quite a lot, like, you know, as I said, the chapters aren't, you know, go in different, you know, there's chapters on, as you said, the, the butch femme um, aesthetics, there's chapters on, epi- you know, epistemology and knowing and unknowing. There's, mm-hmm. there's like, you know, um, you know, on, on sin and humility and, you know, like you cover a huge range, but it's all open to this, um, to this querying as, 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 as you develop it. Yeah. And, and I think in some ways I was trying to model something that I want to encourage other people to do. Mm. Um, And like you say, like each of these sermons, there wasn't just one way I could have even read them. I, I think there are some of them that I started three different times and, you know, like, was like, well, I could go this way with it or I could go that way with it. Um, And I had to just pick one, right. Or else the book would be, you know, four times as long. Um, But I really want to kind of model this process um, to show that really anyone can do it and, mm. and kind of give permission in a way. Um, cause I think that a lot of people are afraid to do this. I mean, certainly with the Bible, right. You know, you have this idea of like, Oh no, the Bible, like there's one right way to read it. Right. And if you don't, aren't reading it that way, you're wrong. Um, and the same with, you know, Wesley's work, which isn't, you know, scripture per se, but it is this like Mm. foundational text of the the tradition. Um, and it has its own sacred, you know, Mm. feeling about it. Um, I'm just like, we we can have a little bit more fun than that. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, so I'm, I'm part of Uniting Church in Australia, which is a, um, a union of Methodist Presbyterians and Congregationalists. So the the Wesley, Mm -hmm. um, strain runs through maybe stronger in some United churches than others but yeah there's definitely pockets of the United Church which have an almost like um Bible in one hand 44 sermons in the other like and <laughs> and, 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 and a kind of real strict thing but then there are others which are taking that like yeah Wesley's part of what we inherit along with and all of that is something that we need to 
seriously engage, read well, um, but not but but think about it how it can be open, generative, and life giving um, in the in the contemporary context. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to I want to kind of burrow down on maybe a bit on the first two sermons that you look at because I think they're important in the sense that they hit on really foundational Wesleyan ideas, the first being born again, the second being holiness. I mean, holiness comes up, you know, these come up again. And yeah, again. of course. Of course um, yeah. But, but there's something there. So, so the first one on, on being born again, you kind of, you know, spend a bit of time showing just how central that is for Wesley, um, what it means for Wesley um, as a general concept, why it's so important. Um, and then the whole time you're doing that, you're running with the analogy of coming out. Um, of that there is this, you know, really in so many of the ways that Wesley is speaking about being born again is how um, queer theory and LGBTIQ people speak about the act of coming out, of, 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 of coming out of death, of, of coming to full knowledge of oneself, um, of reckoning with the lies about the self in, in the closet and then coming to the, um, toward truth and, and then that being about in that being born again, in that coming out, um, that being the act that allows us to fruitfully and freely join in the liberative neighbor-loving work that God has called us to. So, so talk to us a little about this, um, bringing these two together um, and how you feel that really kind of, because um, it's not only, it's it's the both too. It's it's the queering Wesley helps us understand and, and engage Wesley in a different way. So it's like the two speak to each other. Wesley has something to say about how we think of, the Christian life and the uh, of, of LGBTIQ people and the LG, lives of Christian LGBTIQ people have something to say about how we think about Wesley. It's, it's this dialectic. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I'll open that over to you. Absolutely. Um, this was one of those ones where it just seemed so obvious to me <laughs> yeah. that, like, of course, this idea of being born again um, is is something that queer people. Uh, really would resonate with. Um, I mean, I personally don't have a really like crazy coming out story or anything. My, my own story was just kind of like, Oh yeah, this this is normal. Right. And it's like, Oh wait, no, actually, you know, not all girls like girls. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, Uh, right like so it wasn't like this big deal I didn't have to like sit my parents down and do all that kind of thing. And it wasn't like, you know, I came out and my life changed in a certain way, but I mean, I know that is a pretty common experience for a lot of people where they kind of finally accept who they are as a queer person and are honest about that to other people or just to themselves. You know, this takes a lot of, of, um, different forms. Um, but it it really is this kind of turning this kind of repentance, Mm. right. Of like, saying no to this life of death of, you know, uh, there's just so many ways in which queer closeted queer life is like, you could say simple because it has so much pain, so much death, so much, you know, lying, um, repression, uh, denial, like all of these, like it had bad things and it has bad, bad results for people's lives and bodies and communities. And so to stop with all of that and instead turn to a life that is full of hope and joy and love, like that's the Christian story, right? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so 
that seemed really obvious to me to talk about uh, a new new birth being a kind of of coming out. Mm. Um, and I think um, you know I I often cite Patrick Chang, he, mm. his book um, from Sin to Amazing Grace um, has this kind of dichotomy and he, he has a, a model of Christ as like the out Christ, yeah. um, that is kind of, you know, um, I was able to work with of this idea of like, uh, honesty and, um, claiming like the gifts that you've been given. Um, and I think, um, Again, with this idea of repentance, I talk about humility, and I do this a couple uh, in a couple different chapters because it comes up a lot in Wesley, and you know this idea that humility is really um, a right thinking of oneself. So obviously, we've heard a lot about humility in the sense of like you are bad, you are <laughs> sinful right? You need to be humble. Like you're not as good as you think. Yeah. Um, which can be true for a lot of people. If you are, you know, say in a privileged position where you do think and move through the world as if you are better than others. Yeah. You do need to hear that. You do need to take yourself down a few notches. Um, but for other people in this case, you know, queer folks who have been told you are bad, you are wrong. Uh, who you are does not belong here. Mm-hmm. In their case, humility or right thinking of themselves, they actually need to like pull it on the negative self-talk, you know, <laughs> like yes. Yes. the to be honest and, and frank about who you actually are mm. would actually be this like kind of a reversal of pride and humility. And this is why we have like pride month and mm-hmm. you, you think like, Oh, pride is a sin. Why would you want pride month? Well, it's this reversal that is actually very necessary for uh, the acceptance and wholeness of the human person um, that, you know, it seems Wesley would actually agree with because he says, you know, that humility is right thinking of oneself mm-hmm. Um he doesn't say humility is thinking you're a piece of shit, right? <laughs> yes. He like, and and so even there, it's like the, there are so many things where you would expect Wesley to be really harsh and you know difficult to work with and be like, okay, like, oh my God, how am I gonna make this a positive message? <laughs> that wasn't the case. Like every yeah. at every point, I was like, oh my God, he's gonna, you know, say something awful about sex or something, and I'm gonna have to do all kinds of like work to make this work that just wasn't the case Mm. it it was so easy to just be (laughs) like yeah Wesley I agree (laughs) we do need to think rightly of ourselves and and that looks different for different people um Mm. and certainly for queer folks who have been told their whole lives that they're wrong and sinful and don't belong somewhere like to think rightly of themselves means to think more positively of themselves and to love themselves as they are as God made them to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved all that stuff on humility. So, so my master's thesis was on um, like James Cone's doctrine of sin, um, which I think mm-hmm. is a very, like a lot of resonance, right? Like, yeah, for, for white people, for, for white males, you, the sin, you know, humility means your, your sin is you've been playing God in the lives of others. Yeah. You know? And you've mm-hmm. been uh, raising yourself up. And so what you need is, is that exactly that descent, that change, that, mm-hmm. but for those 
um, for black people who've been, you know, denigrated and humiliated and exploited and and violated and that, um, to accept that is not humility. That's to that's to negate the work of God, which has declared you a new being and 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 brought you out into um, and liberated you. And so affirming and saying, you know, black and beautiful, affirming and saying black power is uh, you know a word of the gospel and brings life. And I think that's so helpful the way you explore that here in this context. Um, and it's really interesting. You, I can't remember who you're bringing in in this point, but you're talking about just that how much of the sin talk has just been written from a universal white Western male standpoint where like, yes, maybe as you say, some of that humility talk makes sense, um, but it's when it's universalized, it's, it's not actually applicable or helpful in any kind of way that that holds water. So I think that's a really helpful uh, distinction that you make. So thinking a bit more about holiness, so, so some of the humility talk is, is, is that's one of, uh, part of Wesley's idea of holiness. But I think what's really helpful is that, you know, you really point to the idea that holiness is dynamic. Um, holiness isn't just this kind of um, pure, impure, um, or, 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 you know, the, the, this kind of, you know, remove oneself to stay holy as if it's something that is a kind of a thing that you preserve by not moving that much. Um, so talk to us a bit about the, the dynamic aspect of, of holiness and how that helps. Um, I'm thinking particularly that circumcision of the heart chapter, how that helps, you know, open up this queer reading that, that inherent in that Wesley's concept of holiness is this openness. Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned before with Mildred Bangs Winecoop and her idea of holiness, like just bringing that out of that holiness is love, perfect love. Um, and from there, it just it's it just flows really easily because you can't say that love is just one thing. Mm. Um, I think and I think that's really easy for people to grasp because, you know, if you're in relationship with people, you know that. like you know yeah. that it's different to love, you know, your brother. Uh, or a teacher or a, you know, romantic partner or, you know, like these are all different things. Um, and even, you know, your different children need different things when you're loving them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just very, a very human thing that we all, we instinctually know if we're in relationship. Um, and so the same goes with holiness and holiness being perfect love of God and neighbor um, it's the same with God, right? We, we can't think of God as this, like, you know, single monolith, like what, like big, you know, daddy in the sky type stuff, right? Like <laughs> we, we know that that's just not how God functions in our world. Um, God is at work doing all kinds of crazy things. Um, there's so much mystery there. Yeah. There's no way that love of God would look like just one thing, mm. either love of God from God or love of God to God. Right. Like yeah. there's just so many different ways that people experience God and that God, uh, you know, engages with people that, that just like, to me, again, seems so obvious that love is the same kind of multifaceted, Yep. mysterious thing that you you just can't pin it down and be like this is what it looks like to love someone good luck you know like that's just yeah, not yeah. the case no. um each person you meet and engage with each friendship you have you just kind of 
experiment and get to know the person. And, you know, we have tons of, you know, all these like personality quizzes and Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, love languages, people are different and they experience love differently. They give and receive love differently. Um, And so if we talk about love um, as what holiness looks Mm. like or the basis of holiness, then holiness is not going to look like just one thing Um, for different people. It's going to look different Mm. Um, in different places, in different times. It's going to look different, but the point of it is, is, is it loving (laughs) is you can't be doing holiness if you're not, loving Mm. um and so i think just constantly keeping that in mind as i was writing and um remembering that like love is the baseline for holiness really changes everything Mm -hmm. um the very first conference paper i ever presented as an academic when i was like 22 years old when i just graduated (laughs) undergrad Um, was a paper that I wrote in undergrad that um, was kind of like a biblical theology um, that compared the story um, of Uzzah and the Ark of the Covenant Mm. and the story of the hemorrhaging woman. So you have the story of Uzzah who's carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the cart, the ox stumbles and he touches it and he's struck dead. And they're like, "Mm." It was a holy thing. You're not supposed to touch it. it. Serves you right. Well, in, you know, the gospel of Mark, also Matthew, I use the Mark one always for some reason. Um, you have the hemorrhaging woman who is also unclean, who just grabs Jesus right on the cloak. Yep. And you're like, oh shit, she's going to get struck dead. Yeah. And she doesn't. Yes. Right. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. And so it's this like really interesting dynamic of what, how, how do we think about holiness? Um, is it this like separation, this um, dangerous power? Mm. Yes, it is. And it continues to be in a lot of ways, but also it is in Christ, this love. Mm. Um, sure. Like, I think we could also, talk about love being a dangerous power that's really interesting but i was not (laughs) get derailed here um but it's his love and the woman's um courage and faith um that you know is a different way of thinking about holiness Mm. um that isn't as as destructive or or doesn't isn't isn't um limited or bound by um, this idea of purity. Mm, that's really helpful. And it's great because um, that, that passage was just in the, in the lecture just a couple of weeks ago. And I preached mm-hmm. on that and, you know, I talked about that idea of she comes forward with fear and trembling, right. When after Jesus says, who was it that touched me? Mm-hmm. Like she could have just bolted, but she comes forward with fear and trembling, but yeah, does she worry that Jesus is going to strike her dead or take back the healing? Cause yeah, yeah. she has approached, but uh, I've been thinking about that, that then pretty much following pretty soon after is Jesus sending out the 12 with basically the the, the mission of be me, <laughs> like go and just mm-hmm. keep doing everything that I've been doing and do that out there. And, and what I was thinking about with that, you know, when I was preaching on that idea of the, of the woman coming and touching is are we seen 
as those whom that someone could look at us and as the body of Christ now today and go, if I but touch their cloak, I'll be made well, right? Are we those people who are seen as someone who go, I, I can find healing and wholeness and restoration um, and you know, a mercy from this debilitating uh, disease that has robbed me of all my money, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, is that a place that I can, you know, reach out and touch? And, you know, if we are so holy that no one can look at us and go, oh, I could grab them with my bare hands and say, help me, and they would, then, then you know, what good is that kind of thing? What, yeah, you know? well, and that kind of comes up in another one of these chapters. I think it's um, in the chapter on a caution against bigotry. He talks about this. Um, he uses the, the scripture from Mark 9 where the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we saw this guy. Yeah casting out demons in your name. Don't worry. We told him to stop. And he's like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. obviously like he's doing something good here. And this story comes right after, um, this guy brings, you know, his demon possessed child or whatever to the disciples and they couldn't mm. fix him. Mm. And so I kind of talk about how, um, you know, the, the church as we know it, Sometimes, if, you know, the non-affirming churches, maybe they're doing more harm. Maybe they're doing more harm than good. <laughs> yes. um, you know, maybe they're the ones that are actually bringing the demons around mm. rather than casting them out. And we actually need queer clergy out there to do this kind of work of, of casting out demons um, mm. within you know, queer people who have been harmed by the church and and the work that they've done. And that, you know, uh, if you kind of map it onto this story, Jesus is like, oh yeah, like anyone who's doing work in my name that glorifies my father, do it. Forbid them not is what he says. And so I kind of riff on that and talk about how, like, are we forbidding people to do the Lord's work? Like, is that really what you want to be doing church? Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because they are, I mean, there's so many, I hear stories all the time. I have a a close friend who had, I'm thinking of one, but as I'm saying this, like more and more are coming to mind who have calls to ministry who have had to leave the church of the Nazarene because they were gay and wanted to be in a loving relationship. Mm. <laughs> um, and so they couldn't pursue ordination. And so they've had to pursue ordination in other denominations and they're doing well and they're ministering like they've been called to do and gifted to do by God. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the church of the Nazarene has just been like, no, we don't want you doing that here. And it's like, these are gifted ministers of the gospel. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. Kicking them to the curb. Um, yeah. it's it's absurd. And then, and then and then you know, bemoaning that, you know, our churches are dwindling yes. and shrinking and exactly. Yeah. I also yeah. I also have make the analogy of um like mm. the Red Cross and yeah. the blood blood donations. They're always like, We need blood donations, and then all like the gay men show up and they're like, Not you though. <laughs> not you. Okay, yeah. well yeah, not good, not good. Um I want to, we're getting toward the end of time, but I want to talk about one other chapter. I want to talk about pleasure. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. Um, this is what you get if you hang, you know, you listen to the whole episode, you get the good stuff. Um, <laughs> no, it's all been good stuff. Um, but because part of why I was intrigued is like, 
Now, this could be my caricatured, limited view of Wesley, but Wesley in my mind is a quite somber and serious figure. And like, in many ways, that somber and seriousness is like, he uses that to his virtue, right? Like that's what drives him to be like, how could I have a, co- a cloak when when someone else does not? Like, you know, he, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. it, it leads yeah. him to do good. I mean, it just not, yeah. doesn't seem like the guy necessarily wanted a party. Um, right. <laughs> so so I'm curious, so the, the, the chapter, I've got the title right, the chapter of the general deliverance. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you do talk about, you know, that ultimately God intends and desires creation's pleasure. Um, and, and you draw in Wesley saying that God is rich in mercy to us all and does not overlook or despise any of the works of his own hand. And God wills that the meanest of creatures be happy according to their degree. And so this, um, you know, drawing that into this discussion of that, you know, <laughs> pleasure is not uh, anathema to the will of God, right? It is not this thing mm-hmm. that, that needs to be... Um, because I think often, you know, that, that that's the critique, you know, as you said, one of the critiques so often is bandied about is, oh, pride's a sin. So if you want to be part of this community that has pride, then that's you want to be sinful. Similarly, you get yeah. the, uh, well, you're just being driven by the fact that you want to feel good. Or as you just said before, have a loving relationship. Um, as if how somehow that that itself must be um, anti what God wants for us. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so I talked to us a bit about, about pleasure and about uh, about reading Wesley for pleasure. Uh. Yeah, yeah. This one, I I was I had the same kind of um, caricature I think mm-hmm. of him, and I I was uh, not worried, but I was curious to be like, all right, what is this going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, it, how difficult is it going to be to really think queerly and you know with pleasure as a really important good, um, for queer thinking, um, you know, how was that going to play in? And this chapter, I mean, I, this was one that I didn't really have to go digging for. Like this is one of his best known Mm. sermons. So I was like, I should probably do this one. (laughs) Um, but I didn't know what the chapter Mm. was going to look like. Again, I had to read this one a ton before I finally settled on, on how I was going to deal with it. Um, and again, it was kind of something that like just popped out at me and struck me at like that. He, the whole point of the general deliverance is this kind of, um, not exactly return to the, the garden of Eden or the, you know, first creation, but a transform, like a transformation of this world into something that is more perfect the way Mm. God intended. Mm. And so, Wesley uses the initial creation story and the, you know, garden as kind of a model, like, okay, we have this story of the garden to at least approximate what uh, the perfect, um, you know, kingdom of God, you know, transformative world would look like because this is how God created it before the fall or whatever. (laughs) And so he goes into so much detail about how great this, you know, garden was and how happy everyone was all the animals all the people had what they needed and there was no pain there was no sorrow it was just all good stuff all the time um and so obviously I'm going to take this a little bit farther than he would (laughs) um but it it has this this you know foundation this background about about um pleasure and that he's not necessarily 
against it. He thinks Mm. this is a good that God created. Of course, like whether or not he thinks that good should be, you know, like pursued often, like here and now, that's something where he probably is like, yeah, but like, but, (laughs) but the point is like, he, he's envisioning this like transformed future, Mm. this transformed, perfect world, kingdom of God, heaven stuff. And that includes pleasure. Mm. Mm. And so like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, great. Well, if the kingdom of God is here and now, let's get some pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yes. is, this yes. is a good thing. This is a good thing. Um, you know, like the, that in the garden, they had all this like great food. They mm. had all of everything that they needed and it was great. And this is a good thing. And so I'm thinking if we are redeemed for the kingdom of God here and now, then like, let's, let's do some of that. Yeah. Um, in the same way we're doing some of the other things that we expect to happen in the kingdom of God, as far as, you know, mutual aid or, mm-hmm. you know, caring mm-hmm. for, you know, caring for our neighbors, caring for the earth. Yeah. Um, pleasure, I think, can be among those things. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to say that includes sexual pleasure. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think like you said, like, you know, you're taking it further Um but in some ways, it's, it's, it's you know, and you draw on Marcella Althaus Reed a bit here. It's like you know, throughout the early in the book that like the, the point is like not necessarily you're taking it further in a kind of transgressive um, or, or dishonest way. It's almost the acknowledgement of like the problem with so much theology is that it stops short um, mm-hmm. from the past. You know that that it didn't consider that people are sexual beings. Um, that people are, are in bodies and bodies desire and yearn and, and experience a, a gamut of pleasure and it's actually not very definable or categorizable um, or heteronormative. Um, yeah. and, and, and the problem with some trilogy is that it, it, it kind of cut short or, or, or limited this part. Like often, yeah, we'll talk freely about all these, like the, the variations here, but mm, this one will just uh, hold it a bit tight. So, so I think, you know, in many ways, the work that you're doing is a kind of redemptive work um that that's saying like look it's there and uh, and what whether not was pushed through um but for various reasons didn't um and 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 here's an opportunity to do it now um, yeah well and i think part of uh you know i mentioned how i was kind of nervous like he was going to be this really like strict like disciplinary right, kind yep. of figure and there just wasn't that much stuff about like sexual purity in there. I think what, why that is, is just because these are sermons and they were preached in mixed company. And so like, he couldn't, he could not, would not even mention, you know, sex at all, Um, even like vaguely, hardly ever. Um, so in that sense, I mostly just had to work with, with, you know, uh, an absence um, mm, which was mm. fine with me. It made it a lot easier <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be yeah, like, yeah. well, if he didn't say anything, you know, what obviously that, <laughs> right. I mean, obviously it's not exactly like an argument from silence, but, um, mm. you know, it, it, I understand why that would be the case for mm. him. Um, I think like one of the sermons I talk about how, you know, he, he talks about, he does not talk about it, but he mentions sodomy or sodomites or something. And it's the one instance in all of his sermons that that Mm. word comes up. Um, And so I was like, okay, interesting. So I do a little, 
I think, I don't think it's named this in the book anywhere, but in my documents, when I was writing the title of the file was like an excursus on sodomy. (laughs) 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 So there's this whole little section about, about sodomy and sodomites and, and why Wesley might not have actually gotten into it. Um, Well, (laughs) that's actually just like a, um, for any any of the any any listeners out there, if you're looking for a good like you know hidden file name, um, <laughs> it's it's research. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes sense why he didn't talk a lot about sex explicitly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think now we do a little bit more, and I think that's okay, and we can we can do that responsibly and. Um, in a way that actually is Wesleyan because I do, yes. it always comes back to, I mean, it is couched in his thought faithfully. Yes. Yes. Um, that was my goal the whole time. I'm not trying to like, you know, reinvent the wheel or do something mm. brand new. Really. I'm, mm. I'm just trying to kind of continue this, yeah. this strand of, of theological work. Yeah. I think that's a perfect ending. That is a, such a, what, such the virtue of the book, I mean, is that, is that that faithful engagement with a live tradition that that shapes so many lives and, and the hope that it can be more positively shaping, more liberatively shaping, uh, more lovingly shaping for, for others who have, you know, not yet had that experience. So, so Keegan, thank you for writing the book. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to read. Uh, I was very fortunate to get an advanced copy and, and, and get to read through it. Folks, uh, the book is Queering Wesley, Queering the Church. It's out. Well, I don't know if it's going to be out right now when this episode goes live. I'm going to assume it is. It's out with Cascade. Buy the book and buy one for a friend um, and leave a review. And, and so, Keegan, you're going to get a lot of feedback, as you've, as you've mentioned. Uh, is there any way that folks can be supportive or helpful, um, you know, in this next season to you more so than just going and getting the, picking the book up. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love talking about it. I love hearing, um, what people think. Um, I think, I think I mentioned, I do want this to be the beginning of a conversation. I want other people to pick it up where I left off. There's so much, even as I was rereading it for edits and stuff, I was like, oh, I could have done that. I could have done that. Like there's, there's so much, mm. it's so rich with possibility. Um, so I'm happy to hear from anyone that reads it. Happy to talk, um, happy to talk with like church groups or classes. Um, I know there's a few people who hopefully will be um, assigning chapters or the whole book for their, for their classrooms. Um, and I'd love to be part of those conversations. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited to get, get it in people's hands. Great. Um, and you're on Twitter and uh, you vlog. Do you want to shout out any of that? Yeah, I definitely follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Keegs with three Zs. Um, <laughs> and then my my email address is just keeganosinski at gmail.com. And yeah, I have, I mean, my website has more information about what I do and that kind of stuff, keeganosinski.com. Uh, yeah, I would love to be in touch. Great. All that will be linked below. So, Keegan, thank you for coming. Uh, I hope you get loads of just really great engagement with the book. Everyone go and pick it up. I'll have to have you back on again soon. (laughs) Until then, folks, I'll see you all next week.